What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Frame by Frame, a podcast all about your favorite movies and TV shows. I'm your host, Aman, and joining me today is Mr. IGN himself. Sam, how are you doing? I am... I'm doing well, Aman. It's nice, nice to nice to be here talking about some. Yeah, some films, we some finally TV got the full crew. Yeah, full I know. Crew back together after after like after a while. while. But yeah, uh, I, I'm, but yeah, I'm also good. tired, but you know, mm-hmm. it's all good. Yeah, I'm tired as well. Hectic week, but um, uh, yeah. Nowadays? Also joining me today is the man without a nickname, Jemmy. How are you doing? Uh pretty good, pretty good. You know, all things considered, I'm feeling. My nerd self is in a weird state right now. I feel like I want to be happier than I actually am with some of the stuff going on, but we'll get into that in the actual episode. Yeah, I I think I have the same feelings. But uh, but yeah, before we start, I have one complaint. Uh, why are university campuses in the United States so big? Like, I have to walk at least two miles to all my classes. While well, compared to when I was in London, I only had to walk zero point five miles to all my classes. Why are they so damn big? Jemmy, can you answer that question? Because that's how they justify charging you almost half a million dollars in tuition, because it's obviously not going into quality of education or paying the teachers. So most American universities are vanity projects. That makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. It's giving me a whole new outlook on my uh, university life right now. But uh, but yeah, guys, uh, before we start, make sure to subscribe to our channel for daily content. You can further support our show by heading over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. Uh, as you've noticed, yesterday we just had uh, our brand new Frame by Frame mini special episode, the Anime Cast, go live. Uh, so yeah, and every five-star review will be read live on the show. Yep, and speaking of which, I'd like to take some time to shout out our Patreons and go ahead and give them shout out right here. So let's give it for Bucky Blue, Hopple, Alpaca Tom, SAZ, Brianna's mom, Brianna's brother, Brianna's, okay, and just all the whole Brianna crew, <laughs> Brianna exactly, and Amon. Yeah. If you want to hear your name at the start of every show, head on to patreon.com slash savethegamemedia.com. Subscribe to the cheer of your liking, gain access to exclusive perks that will enhance your experience. Man, I feel kind of bad now. Brianna's kind of showing us up. We got to get like some. Oh, yeah. Where's, where's oh, y'all's yeah. family? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, guys, I, 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 I've tried to convince people to join up, but not yet. Hopefully, one day it will happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, where's the, where's the entirety of IGN, Sam? Come on. Like, how many employees do you guys have? 2,500? Get, get them all to subscribe to Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> Those are some weighty expectations. I'm not sure I can live up to that. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, guys, let's move on to our first segment of the show, and that is what have you guys watched this week? Uh, so, Sam, I want to start off with you. Uh, I mean, I hate to be a disappointment, but I have literally watched nothing this week. Nothing. Um, I was saying before we started the show that this has been the busiest work week for me of my entire life. Um, and it means that I have missed out on watching anything. I haven't seen this week's episode of She-Hulk. I don't mind if we talk about it here. I'm not that fast. I've seen a couple of things online. Um, I have to catch up on Rings of Power. Um, and, you know, there's some regular, like, film stuff that I'm sure I'd want to check out. I think I was aiming to mm-hmm. look at the um, the Northman this week was what I was intending to watch, but uh, obviously haven't gotten around to it yet. So that's that's it for me. I, I haven't seen anything. I'm, I'm sorry, man. Don't hate me, man. You've been disappointing me for the last couple of weeks. You haven't watched anything, uh, but yeah, it's sad, completely man. Understandable. Sad. Exactly, completely understandable though. Uh, busy, busy work week. I, I've been there before, uh, but yeah, Jemmy, what have you been watching? 
Well, for me, so this pretty much the exact opposite. So pretty much my busyness came from any time I wasn't at work, I was trying to watch stuff to catch up on some personal reviews. So I actually ended up, I only watched when it premiered. I only did one episode of Rings of Power. So I went ahead and catched up on that. Uh, this week's She-Hulk episode was, I thought was pretty good. I think that you not quite as good as the previous episode, but I think the show's definitely hit its groove now. And I can see, I think what they're doing. Um, the main thing for me actually is hopefully after this, I'm going to try to go see that movie, see how they run, uh, with Sam Rockwell. That really caught my, I'm big Sam Rockwell fan, also short running. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that. And also there's been some really, really good movies, some really artsy movies, like uh, that 3000 years of longing. I want to hopefully try to see that at some point, uh, before it goes out of theaters. But yeah, so that's really where my head's been at, uh, watching stuff wise. Oh, wait, forgot being puppy cat did binge that really loved it. Think. Free and I are supposed to do a review on that one too, so that'll be fun. Might be coming soon. Spoiler cast, but uh, but yeah. As for me, what I've watched, I watched House of the Dragon episodes three and four. Really liking it so far. I think Matt Smith and Patty Considine uh put in Emmy worthy performances in episode three. Um, it's just me because I'm loving Patty Considine's character. I know he made some terrible decisions in the first episode. If you know, you know. But uh, his portrayal of the character is phenomenal almost like it's flawless he perfectly portrays a king who's kind of get being suffocated on his own throne by the people around him you know his hand is plotting against him his brother's plotting against him his daughter's plotting against him and uh yeah he's sort of like some there's strangling strangling him on his own throne and while he's the king he sort of has no power uh but yeah episode four i think was a lot slower in pace nothing really happened um, I, the story progressed like only in the last 10 minutes of the show. But other than that, there wasn't much to it. Uh, but yeah, so far, I, I'm really liking it. I don't think it's as good as the first season of Game of Thrones because I thought that show th that was on a whole other level. But and it's obviously as I keep repeating myself, um, it's unreal to hold those type of expectations from any show. Uh, but yeah, the last thing I've been watching is Severance, uh, another one of Sam's recommendations. And uh what a show, guys. This is exactly the sort of show I was looking for. And uh, boy, it was this way better than I expected. Um, so Sam sold me on it when he said it's like control. And yeah, it, it is a lot like control without all the supernatural uh, elements of the action. It's like a workplace, a uh, creepy mystery thriller. Uh, and yeah, my favorite character in the show has to be Heli. Um, it, the way she's she's the only one sort of noticing something's wrong in here while they're at the workplace uh it's really interesting and uh yeah i just wrapped up season one uh can't wait for season two but guys any do you have any thoughts before i move on i'm just There's glad that you've watched... oh, sorry. no no I, i'm just glad you've watched severance that was all i was going to say like <laughs> yeah. it's one of those things where you have to be so vague when you recommend it because the less you know the better Exactly. Like, well, if you aren't going to watch it, then should I just tell you a bit more? But then you've watched it and exactly. I think you've enjoyed it as much as I was hoping you would. So good news. Yeah. Good news. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, the Emmys happened last week and I'm surprised like Severance won nothing. You know, I was really surprised. I, I think I, I, sometimes honestly, that happens. I think, yeah. Honestly, I think I would have picked it over Succession Season 3. because I, th I, I, I thought Succession th Season 3 was the weakest out of all three seasons. Um, so I would have picked Severance over, uh, for the best from, dramatic drama show. But uh, from but yeah, what I understand, though, I think it might still have a shot or something. I don't know. Emmy rules confuse me. But I do know, like, for a fact that the second half of mm -hmm. the last season of Better Call Saul is still eligible okay. for next year's Emmys, even though the first okay. half mm -hmm. was yeah. went up this year's award. So I think I read something that 
it might still technically be eligible. So there still could be a chance. I right. think, it, honestly, I mean, when are the Emmys actually going to give, um, or any award show going to give it to the yeah. one that actually deserves it? But, right. you know, <laughs> I'm just surprised, honestly, that people aren't talking about it more. It seems like this would have been one of those, um, to me, it seems like it could have easily been one of those um, Ted Lasso, Stranger Things, Game of Thrones type shows that really strikes oh, yeah. the bottle. It's like really good, but it's honestly really flown under the radar. I do have a question for you guys before I move on. Now that we're a decent ways into, oh, I know, Sam, you are a little bit behind, but now we're a decent ways into um, both Rings of Power and House of the Dragon. And again, not necessarily because they are pretty different, but at least what are you enjoying more? Sam, you want to go first? I, I, I'm going to default to Rings of Power, um, mainly because... I think the last season of Game of Thrones really just soured it for me. And I have, I've watched some of um, House of the Dragon and it is, whilst it is good, it's kind of like, I feel like I'm making myself watch it because I already committed to watching all of Game of Thrones. Whereas with Rings of Power, as much as it is, maybe even though it kind of looks better in my opinion because of the budget, it, whilst it might not necessarily arguably be as, engaging i just like the world building and the law focus stuff um more mm. in rings of power just because and i have an affinity for the lord of the rings middle earth universe anyway so that's my pick Makes sense. Yeah, i mean i haven't watched rings of power yet i was supposed to watch it but i just never got around to watching it so i'm gonna default to house of dragon um <laughs> but uh yeah um I, I think it's a very good show um, it's yeah. definitely an Emmy, an Emmy nominee level show, but um, again, Game of Thrones was just so good that this doesn't match up to that expectation. I, I think it's so far. Mm. It might later on when the Dance of Dragon kicks in and all that, but right now, uh, I if I, I from what I'm hearing, Rings of Power is the better show so far. Mm. Well, I, I feel like for me personally, I would say I'm enjoying Rings of Power more. It's not even necessary, I think, anything to the quality of either show per se. I think both of them have their strengths and weaknesses. I personally call me old-fashioned, but I don't understand why um, Game of Thrones seems to really like writing incest into the plot, but that's just me. <laughs> I feel like you could just make any amount of other things and just not do that. Like, like why don't we not do that? Like, <laughs> And I know people are nerds are going to say, but it's the... Uh, no, I don't care. You could just not do that. That's an option. Anyway. But I do think in terms of at least the world building, I don't know, for some reason, as of right now, the version of Middle Earth and Rings of Power, it just feels more lived in, I guess. It feels it feels like I think they've definitely done their Tolkien homework. And mm -hmm. again, maybe that's part of the reason where, for what it's worth, they have literal libraries of reference material to go off of versus creating something relatively from scratch, aside from Martin's previous work. But, you know, I do feel like I give credit where credit is due to Amazon. I think they've definitely risen up to the task. I was nervous about the show, mm -hmm. not for the racist reasons, but for the Amazon making a bad Lord of the Rings show reason. Yeah. But it seems like it's actually pulled off so far. Did you guys see the Elon Musk tweet where he said, like, Tolkien is uh, is turning in his grave after what watching? Is, what Rings does Elon Musk know? Yeah, he's, <laughs> he, he's, he's such a troll. Like, come on. Do you see, did you see the meme he put of Bill Gates? like no no okay yeah definitely look I'm, that up listeners as well i don't think it's appropriate enough to share on the show i always but, uh, find yeah. it 
I always find it funny when people are like, oh, such and such famous author, Stan Lee would have been rolling in his grave. First of all, is because whatever they pick are always so wildly inaccurate. It's hilarious that they try to justify it. But second of all, I'm not being funny. Tolkien wouldn't know how to use a computer. Why are we talking about him like he should be the authority on anything? He also was born uh, uh, like a hundred years ago. So there's a lot of things he probably wouldn't be hip to now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, guys, uh, with that out of the way, let's move on to story number one. Uh, we're going to be talking about Amazon more because they're getting uh, Blade Runner is getting its own limited series on Prime Video. So Amazon confirmed to TechCrunch that the streaming service announced today uh, it greenlit Blade Runner 2099. Um, for me personally, this is awesome. I love Blade Runner 2049. Denis Villeneuve is one of my favorite directors of all time. I love everything he does. And uh, yeah, this I think this is a big get for Amazon. And recently they've been putting out bangers. Like Reacher was really good. Uh, Rings of Power, as you guys say, The Voice Season 3. Uh, so I really hope this works out for them. And uh, if you haven't listened to Project X Talk, you know how much I love the cyberpunk genre and aesthetic. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how this turns out. But what do you guys think? I really love the original Blade Runner. Um, mm -hmm. I think it holds up remarkably well. Um, I appreciate 2049. I don't think I love it as a film. Um, I think aesthetically it's great, but ultimately, I don't know. It just it didn't it didn't captivate me the way the original did. Um, and I, I I can't tell you why. I think it's just one of those things where. Mm -hmm watching it it didn't quite click with me for one reason or another um right. that being said you are correct that amazon have been doing relatively well in terms of their output of content recently mm -hmm. um so hopefully hopefully it, it comes out good i think that um edge runners the the cyberpunk anime thing right. shows that there is a lot of interesting things that you can still do within the sort of Cyberpunky, steampunky, ne yeah. uh, you know, neo neon retro future um, genre. So, yeah, it, it's a TBD for me rather than being excited. But it's one of those things where if I hear even slightly good things about it, once it eventually does come out, I will be watching. Yeah, yeah and it also seems like Amazon have been doing a lot of like um, a lot of TV shows around existing popular IP. Mm -hmm. You know, like Lord of the Rings right now. Uh, they got the God of War rights from Sony. Uh, and now, you know, Blade Runner. So I'm um, looking forward to what they're doing. And Reacher as well. Reacher was absolutely phenomenal yeah. if you guys haven't watched it. So, yeah, uh, they're doing a lot of um, work on existing IP. And I'm um, looking forward to see what they do because a lot of the stuff they've done so far has been quality. But, Jemmy, what do you think? I mean, I'm of two minds with it. The first mm -hmm. fact is, again, I, like everyone here, I'm a Blade Runner fan. Um, I think it's slightly ironic that Amazon, of all companies, is making the Blade Runner adaptation, but whatever. <laughs> I thought <laughs> but, I mean, um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I think obviously, you know, at this point, it definitely seems like Prime Video is trying to really slot itself in that sort of niche um, premiere streaming now that, to be frank, HBO Max has imploded. So that's not going to be a thing anymore. So it seems like they're really trying to hit that. And to what, you know, you've got a point. They're focusing on these existing IP building prestige shows. My only worry, to be frank, is that I'm not sure this is the right property to do that. I'm not necessarily worried that they'll butcher it, per se, but I am worried about... I don't think Blade Runner is the right property for an existing universe. Like, as of right now, 
we've got Blade, the core movies, which I think are, in my opinion, some of the best science fiction movies of all time. Some of Ridley's most philosophical work. I think they're really good testaments on talking about the human condition. But then we've got stuff like the comic book and there's an anime, I believe. And now we're doing a live action show. And it's just like, I don't want this to become the next Star Trek, Star Wars, just another right. science fiction thing. I feel like in some ways, Blade Runner was a bit more than that in terms of its message and its styling, you know, like I'm not like, okay, as much as I do, I was just talking about how I think that the world lives in, there's a certain amount of polish and a certain amount of um, professionalism that Amazon brings. That's part of why people like it. But at the same time, I feel like it can sometimes that might run counter to the aesthetic blade runner in the filming and the shooting almost has an a grungy indie style feel as part of the appeal to the, the, the version of LA they created. I'm not saying that they couldn't, but I would say that given their approach right now, I would be curious to see how they're going to actually translate the visual style. Cause it's not just the story. Right. The story is it's the visual style and the story. That's what makes blade runner such a unique science fiction franchise. The visual style and is just as much as important. So, you know, at the end of the day, I think I kind of am like Sam is kind of TBD. I am excited. Mm -hmm. I think at the prospect, it's just like, you know, mega corporation making Mm -hmm. an extended it's this is really only slightly better than a Disney remake at the end of the Mm -hmm. day. The only reason I'm not mad is because they know how to make a good movie compared to some. How do you ruin Pinocchio, man? You've got Tom Hanks and you somehow messed up Pinocchio. That's impressive. That is actually impressive. No, I think the big takeaway from this is that this is a sequel, not a remake. So uh, it's a sequel to the 2049 movie. So I, I, there is good things about it and I'm looking forward to how they do it. Uh, and right now I, I, I trust Amazon to, uh, you know, make, make this a good show. Um, I said, I will never say that. Did Amazon acquire MGM? What happened to all those IP? Like, did they get all those movies, or are they being basically like, they did? Or? But the thing is, from what I was aware, it's kind of like a. It's basically the same situation that Marvel had has with the X Men. Even though they own them, I don't oh. think the IPs were touchable until right. some other stuff went away. But even mm-hmm. then, yeah. it looks like I don't know if you guys saw, but even then, they're talking about with all this Warner Brothers stuff. If it potentially sold, Amazon is stirring around, interested in seeing what remains of IP they could buy up. Which I'm gonna say it. I think would be kind of bad because I mm-hmm. don't want them owning half of it. I don't want our options being Amazon and Disney for all of our yeah. entertainment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, at least we might get a good Batman movie or a good or, <laughs> or, or a Superman movie. A Superman mm-hmm. movie. <laughs> Just give me one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that'll be interesting. Uh, it's, it's definitely. I'm definitely curious to see if uh, Warner Bros. is willing to sell again and who would buy them in the future. Um, <laughs> Who would sucker. you guys pick? Who, who would you guys pick? Like, if you, if one of the big corporations had to buy them, who would you guys pick? Realistically, I feel like the best scenario, honestly, in a lose-lose situation, is Apple. <laughs> Just yeah. because Apple right now isn't fully con- Apple has a isn't fully concentrated in the entertainment sector enough where they could realistically let it thrive, but not turn it into some weird corporate thing. If I was being an optimist, I would say, honestly, diverge it, break it up, sell the games division to some other game studio that can handle it. Give it a right. Sony or Xbox or something. Give the entertainment something to actually people who care, maybe a 24 start basically just break it up at this point. Right. At this point, 
Warner Brothers honestly is so fractured as a company. I don't really see the point in keeping it existing when honestly the most valuable thing about the company is the IP, not the company itself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I feel like Apple would be a good get for the TV division because I think HBO shows would fit in really well with Apple TV shows. Because uh, again, HBO makes those drama, te- uh, those really good thriller drama shows, which I think Apple TV is also starting to do really well at the moment. You know, Blackbird and uh, um, Severance were really good. I think HBO could fit in really well with uh, Apple TV. So that would be one. But I'm not sure Apple could properly handle uh, all the IP that comes with it, you know, with uh, the Warner Bros. IP, DC and all that. I don't think Apple would be the right fit for that. Um, but yeah, Sam, what do you think? No, I, I, I agree with Jeremy. I think that if if it had to go to another big corporation, it's a lose regardless mm-hmm. of who it went to. So right. someone who doesn't necessarily have as much meat in the game um, is arguably better rather than somebody that is already quite strong in the space, just gobbling up more stuff. I think that right. even if it is a mega corporation like Apple, mm-hmm. at least we would then still have three options between Amazon, Disney and Apple rather than just yeah. Amazon and, and Disney. So, But yeah, I mean, who even has the money to acquire them you know, anymore except for like Amazon, Apple, maybe Microsoft and uh, Well, Disney. that's part of the, that's for what it's worth. That's part of Zadislav's strategy. That's why he's selling off all this stuff and that's why he's whittling it down. So that way he's turning it into, it's pretty clear now that he's making it so it's acquirable. So that way, someone like, because I, from the article, I think it directly mentioned like what Amazon and Comcast being the ones that were biting right now, or at least right. interested in biting. Because I mean, they, the deal can't happen until 2024. So for right. two years, this will all be speculation. But I think yeah. at the end of the day, it's, it's kind of sad <laughs> how it basically just, imp- exactly. I'm not even going to say imploded. It just imploded like- because of corporate greed, because yeah. it was fixable. And this isn't even about, this isn't even me complaining about Batgirl anymore. It's just weird how Warner Brothers legitimately might not be a thing within five years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like um, the Warner Bros, a five-star Michelin restaurant. Uh, the guy from McDonald's just came in and he's like, uh, let me show you how it's done. And uh, he sort of imploded the company. Himself. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's, that, that's what it looks like to me. But, uh, but yeah, guys, do you guys have anything else to add before we move on? Mm-hmm. Nope. All right. So um, this is a, a rumor, uh, a heavy quotations rumor. Uh, according to a rumor from trusted sources of the Marvel Studios spoiler subreddit moderators, um, Marvel Studios are no longer considering John Krasinski to play the MCU's Reed Richards in Fantastic Four, despite appearing in, as now deceased variant on Earth 838 in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. Um, what do you guys think? Kevin Feige in an interview like about a couple weeks after Multiverse of Madness came out, said how excited he was that he could play, have Reed play a variant of, um, of mm-hmm. the, uh, have John play a variant of Reed. It right. was kind of my assumption that that was always a casting because all of those, all of those people there in that little Illuminati was characters mm-hmm. that realistically are either characters or actors that aren't going to be in the MCU, but this is a look. We're going to give you your shine because a lot of people complain that um, uh, um, I can't remember her name. Uh, Maria Rambo should have gotten Maria a little bit Rambo. more. They give her. Right. Yeah, they give her a scene. Cap mm-hmm. Marvel is trying to convince us that Captain Carter is a fan favorite. She's not. So they put her in that. 
Um, everybody likes Patrick Stewart. So he's there and five nerds who really like The Office wanted him as Mr. Fantastic. So now we have him as Mr. Fantastic. But let's be real. For the simple fact is, there's two reasons why I didn't think he was ever going to be Mr. Fantastic. One, he's expensive. Two, Marvel, as of this stage, is looking like, look at the actors that they're hiring. They're hiring actors who either really, really want to be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe or who are newcomers who have enough time to dedicate. Realistically, if you look at the amount of shooting that John Krasinski is doing and his just whole mentality, he wants to be a director. It pro- him being the face of, because Mr. the Fantastic Four is supposed to be the face of this next phase. Secret Wars is going to obviously have them as a big impact. So him dedicating time for, what, six, seven movies over the next 10 years probably wasn't going to be in his schedule. On the other hand, that lets them create because they can do, they can create another Robert Downey Jr. or Tom Holland or um, Chris Hemsworth, an actor who you basically only associate with that character. So that's why it seemed pretty obvious that they're always going to choose a less recognizable face than Jim from The Office. Yeah, I mean, before listening to Jemmy, I was in the mind that he will definitely play Mr. Fantastic. But I think Jemmy's convinced me now that he probably won't play Mr. Fantastic. So, Sam, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I was never under the assumption that he was going to be um, our Reed permanently. You know, when he first showed up in Multiverse um, of Madness, I thought, you know, that's cool. Nice sort of nod and wink to the to the fans. But then, obviously, he died like mm-hmm. 30 seconds later um and yeah it's it's like i think there have been comments made since multiverse of madness came out where it's like yeah it was a you know a, a homage to the fan cast that's been going around for years right. and you know similar to to what jemmy said i just i don't think one i don't think that he is really that interested in making that kind of commitment to to the mcu um, or if he is, he he doesn't show it in any way, shape, or form. And also, you know, maybe a hot take. I just don't think he makes a very good Reed Richards. Um, Jim, he, I think I think John Krasinski plays Jim from The Office, which is <laughs> in every role he's in. <laughs> yeah, he, he's a very very lovable. He just looks nice, and I don't think that that's what Reed Richards needs to be, at least to begin with. And I. Mm-hmm. You know, from everything we've heard of the shortlist that they have had or supposedly have had for, for read casting, they are trying to go for actors who play cold and a little bit emotionless more than yeah. the sort of family guy, which I'm sure is what Reed will eventually get to in the MCU, but not to begin with. Right. Um, that being said... I don't doubt for a second that Krasinski will come back as a Reed variant in Secret Wars. Um, I think for as fan servicey a film as Secret Wars is going to be, and we all know that it is going to be, mm-hmm. I don't think that they're going to miss out on that opportunity, even though we've already had it in Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. I think that even if he's just in the background for like a few seconds, maybe one line of dialogue, yeah, and you know, um, Doctor Strange looks at him, he's like, wait. I saw you, you you died, you know, so, you know yeah. some reference to Marvel. Classic Marvel, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Chris Evans is actually, actually, This is actually a good time to bring up an interesting theory I have when it comes to fan service. Because, mm-hmm. again, I'm a firm believer in corporate synergy. So if you look at what they're doing with Kang right now, 
And if you look at what MCU is saying, I think actually, I don't think Secret War is going to be nearly as fan servicey as we think it is. I think they're going to flip the tables on us. I think that in the same way that Infinity War was the more focused story one and Endgame was the more Marvel Cinematic Universe celebration, mm-hmm. I think the reverse is going to happen. I think that Kang Dynasty is very is going to be the cameo fest and Secret Wars is going to be the much more focused film because just looking right now they're doing an event in comics called Avengers Forever. What's the plot? All of the Avengers across different realities uniting to stop Kang in a multiversal war. That leaves them to be able to do Secret Wars as a more character focused thing where they can focus on Reed or Doom or whoever. Also, if we look at again, who's the writer? They're getting the the, well, well, I don't know if this is, this probably should talk about that later, but based on the writer who they're getting, it seems like that would lead themselves more to a wacky hijinks movie for Kang Dynasty, mm-hmm. where Secret Wars, since they haven't revealed the writer, I'm assuming has a different mm-hmm. writing and directing team entirely, since they're yeah. keeping pretty coy with that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And I think that's the perfect segue into our next story, story number three. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter reveals that Marvel Studios has named Jeff Loveness its writer for Avengers The Kang Dynasty. Loveness also wrote the upcoming Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, my most anticipated Phase 5 Marvel movie alongside the Marvels and the Blade. Uh, and he previously wrote Rick and Morty. And uh, what a transition, you know, going from writing Rick and Morty to the well, probably one you know, of the biggest Avengers movies of the decade. Uh, yeah, by the looks of it, Marvel must be happy with the work he did in Quantumania. And uh, as Jemmy just said, it could be a possibility that the Kang Dynasty is the um, fan service fest or whatever. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Quantumania is like, and hopefully that'll give us a better integrator to what Loveness is like as a writer. Uh, but yeah, what do you guys think about um, his appointment? I think... <sighs> Because of his history on Rick and Morty, it gives me hope because but I'm Tish at my mm-hmm. Um what not that I necessarily think the Ant-Man films are bad because they're not by any stretch of the imagination, but I just think that they are, in my opinion, some of the more lighthearted or generic kind of mm-hmm. um and that's, I think that's for a multiple multitude of reasons. I don't think Peyton Reed is that great as a director. Um, and I don't think that the writing team have necessarily known exactly what to do with the ensemble that come with Ant-Man and the Wasp films. I just don't think mm-hmm. they've quite nailed it yet. Yeah. But yeah, talking about like hijinks and, and stupidity and, and leaning into the wackiness, that is what Rick and Morty is. So I would hope that we are going to see not necessarily that amount of ridiculousness, but a good amount of ridiculousness and and self-awareness, should I say, um, yeah. with Jeff Loveness coming in to write for Quantum Mania. It gives me hope. I mean, obviously, Peyton Reed is still directing, so there is, a, I think, a ceiling that the film can hit in terms of quality for me, but I'm holding out hope. Um, yeah, weird. I don't, they must really like Quantum Mania's yeah. script because to, to bring him on already for Kang Dynasty that's a that's a big sign of of faith you know like um obviously they brought uh destin daniel cretton on to direct but right. he's mm-hmm. proven himself, he's proven himself. Shang Chi. Yeah. um so who knows i will i will tentatively put faith in marvel <laughs> that they know what they're doing and that they have a good reason for for giving him this work uh jemmy what about you I mean, first of all, 
I, I was talking to you on the guys before the podcast. I was almost surprised that this was news just because I had kind of made the assumption that he was going to do it anyway once they started talking about how closely Ant-Man and what's name were going to be linked. Um, I'm kind of curious what Dan Harmon and his crew must have on Kevin Feige because this is like the fifth <laughs> Rick and Morty person who's in the MCU yeah. now because he got, what, the Russo brothers? So it's basically the MCU is now run by community and... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Rick and Morty staff, which I'm not complaining. Um, in terms of what this means for the story, though, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. If I was looking at some of the episodes that he did right, and while I'm not a Rick and Morty fan by any stretch of the imagination, I can appreciate it from a distance. And the episodes that he wrote seem to be some of the, in general regard, better, but also some a little bit more cynical and deeper episodes. Kind of like that Vat of Addis Acid episode. I know he was a heavy mm -hmm. contributor to that one. And some other ones that, you know, kind of go towards more, not necessarily cynical, but the more thought-provoking side. I know from at least what Evangeline Lilly and a couple others have said that this movie is supposed to be a little bit darker in tone, which I do think will be interesting. To kind of Sam's point, I almost feel that the Ant-Man movies previously were pedestrian by design. If we look mm -hmm. at where they fell in place, Ant-Man 1 was right, was it right before? Yeah, it was right before Civil War. And Ant-Man 2 was right before, was in the batch, was in the worst place movies in history, right before, um, between Infinity War and Endgame. Mm -hmm. But I, my personal theory has always been that Marvel has used ant-man movies as a palate cleanser they're the safe movie that you don't really need to have a lot of continuity for you can take the family to because you don't have to worry about any scariness at all it's arguably their most safe property aside from spider-man really right so um this time though they're basically setting up i'd argue to make it one of the most important films exactly, yeah. really in this in the entire saga at this point, the only films that we know are majorly important to the arc of the saga was Multiverse of Madness, this movie, Fantastic Four, and the Avengers movies themselves. Beyond that, yeah. we don't get probably Eternals, we can assume, and Shang-Chi, mm -hmm. we can infer. But right. other than that, we have no guarantees about what's important. But right now, Ant-Man is basically poised to not only fully debut the big bad of the entire phase, but... Um, you know, a lot of rumblings about possible Young Avengers set up, you know, maybe getting a cameo from um, Kate Bishop or something like that. We know for a fact that they're introducing MODOK. And given the fact that Marvel has finally realized that you don't have to kill off every single villain, I have a feeling that MODOK will actually, I think Darren Cross's MODOK or whatever will show up a decent amount of times after this movie. Um, you know, yeah, I, Mod I think MODOK will return yeah. for sure. Yeah. MODOK will return. So it's like, this is going to be the question is, are they <laughs> Thunderbolt. Let's get him on the team. Yeah. <laughs> that might actually the make the team is, better now. Are they up to the task? Because you know, while I do, I appreciate, I appreciated, I appreciated Peyton Reed's style because it was understated. I thought that he did a good job with the understatement. But now, and also that reflected in the Star Wars, his Star Wars episodes that he directed aren't necessarily his Mandalorian episodes, aren't the Flasher mm -hmm. episodes. But I think they do good with the story. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. This is supposed to be, well, it's quantum mania. We're supposed to be going full science fiction. So I'd be right. curious to see if he's up to the task from a directing standpoint. Um, mm -hmm. Writing-wise, you know, Rick and Morty, dude, as long as they're not saying, hey, I'm Pickle Scott, then I think we'll be fine. <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah. Do you think there'll be a reference to that in the film? Oh, there definitely Come will be. 100%. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> that, that's not even a question. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, as long as it's not Michael Waldron writing, I'm happy. You say that now. You say that now. I'm pretty sure. Um, if I, I'll call me Nostradamus, but I'm calling it now. Ryan Coogler is going to direct Secret Wars, and I'm pretty sure Michael Waldron's going to write it. I think the writing's on the wall. And, you, and you, whether you like it or not, I'm pretty sure that's what's happening. Oh god, <laughs> I, I I don't mind Ryan Coogler, but please, my keep Michael Waldron away from Secret Wars, please. Uh, but anyway, um, guys, do you have anything else to add before we move on to our D23 recap? Nope. I just can't wait for Doom to fight the Illuminati. That's what I'm ready for. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did you chart in the 60s? Um, but yeah. Um, but let's start off with Lucasfilm. Uh, so first off, we got our final trailer for Andor. And uh, looks this looks great. Like, And the review embargo, I think, went up last night. And the initial reception is looking very, very good. I mean, people are comparing it to an HBO Max drama, um, John Kempea, um, who it broke the embargo three days ago, actually. But, uh, but yeah, guys, what do you think about what do you think about the final trailer of Andor? Mm, mm, uh, I think I'm I think I already know how I'm going to feel about this show. Mm-hmm. Which is maybe it's just like the the cynic in me, but it's like I already know where this story ends, mm-hmm. so I feel like I, I'm I'm already a few steps ahead of the show in that regard. Where do I can I really truly invest myself in the emotional journey that Andor is going to go on? Because I already know where his story ends. Now, obviously, that doesn't necessarily exclude the fact that I can get emotionally invested. But it's one of those things where I think that there's going to be a little bit of a disconnect for me where the tone of the show, the style it's going for, its length and everything, that's all speaking to me. Like, I, I love the idea of it. I want right. more gritty Star Wars. That, like, that's right. what I want. But I think it's just that it's a, it's the problem that every Star Wars property is having right now, regardless of the quality of it. It's just that it is so reluctant to tell stories in a time span that is detached from everything that's come before. Mm -hmm. Um, And from what I've heard, this doesn't have tons of Easter eggs, if any, which is good. That's what I prefer. But I still think that it's going to inevitably be caught up in we're building towards him on his journey with Rogue One, and yeah. there's probably going to be mentions of Darth Vader and the Death Star being, or some, mm-hmm. you know, Empire project. Right. I just give me some High Republic stuff. I want to be as far away from the Skywalker. Old Republic, Old Republic, then High Republic. Please give me a live action Revan. Please, Disney. I've been begging for years. So I'm going to butt in. I'm going to butt in here. <laughs> no. For the simple fact is, no, no, three real. Because the Old Republic, see, people glo- see people have this rose-colored view of the Old Republic. I do believe it's legitimately one of the most creative things that Star Wars did. But if you look anything at the timeline, it's a mess. It's clear that it's been reported that the story division is taking as much time as possible to try. That's why the, um, that's the, I think that's the real reason why um, Knights of the Old Republic or whatever was delayed, the remake, is because they're trying to untangle the canon. Because if they try to attach Old Republic to this new canon, it literally will make no sense whatsoever. Because it barely made sense before. So I think with Andor, for me, the trailer, honestly, it did nothing for me. But that's not a bad thing. Just because I was already hyped for this show. I honestly felt like this show, this trailer kind of played it more as a more traditional 
action-y stuff. Star Wars, you know, the classic motifs. I preferred the original trailer where it really hampered it on the spy elements. Um, But at the end of the day, it literally did nothing for my interpretation. In my opinion, this is my second most anticipated Star Wars show after Acolyte because I am there. Acolyte. Mm -hmm. I I was so disappointed we didn't get anything about any, like, information about the Acolyte at D23. Well, that's because, I don't know if you saw, but the Acolyte information came out today. Um, Oh, it did. I always I mispronounce that. his name, but um, you guys know The Good Place? Uh, uh, you're talking about, um, is it Manny Jacinto? Yes, he will be playing the male lead, and they cast another person as well. So for some reason, Lucasfilm didn't think this would be fun to reveal at their convention, where they had oh, all yeah. the attention on them. But um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, um, but yeah. Um But I that... th- I think that personally Andor, you know, I think it'll be good. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, to to Sam's point, I'm not exactly worried about the whole backwards for the simple fact is that Star Wars is always told backwards. We Anakin died mm-hmm. and then we spent three movies learning who Anakin <laughs> was. And me, this is just the same thing. We got a very the we got a very small glimpse at um Cassian's personality in Rogue One. I'm looking forward to seeing what else. And Diego Luna, he's the type of actor who I think can definitely bring um, right. a lot more to him, you know, bring a lot more depth to character. Also, another thing that I guess people kind of forget is the fact that this is a dual narrative show. It's not just about Andor, even though he's the title character. We're also going to be finding a lot more about Mon Mothma. And at least at this point in canon, Legends is a bit different, but canon, she's a very important figure in the Rebellion, and we don't really know anything about her aside from Lady who stands there and looks cool and address and talks ethereally many bothans did die but aside from that you know i'm looking forward to actually find seeing her do something and again we'll see it seems like the reviews are saying they're up to the task but you know rah rah <laughs> i I'm, I'm more excited for this than seeing you know the potential of another season of kenobi or ahsoka and even though ahsoka is my favorite character just because you know I do definitely think we need to start moving away because Star Wars is so big that we're playing in the same 30-year time span. Right. That makes sense. But uh, but yeah, moving on to the next thing that was showcased, and that was The Mandalorian Season 3, first trailer. Um, I kind of feel like this Mandalorian thing is sort of becoming a fan service type of thing, like especially with the return of Baby Yoda. Like, did, like Season 2 was the perfect end to that character dynamic arc of The Mandalorian and Baby Yoda together. Why bring the character back? You know, in the book of Boba Fett where um, Baby Yoda goes back to the uh, Mando and is all that. But uh, yeah, like why bring that character back? Is it only because Baby Yoda got so popular they want to cash in? Because I don't think it makes much I, sense like, in the storytelling. I think it's because you're missing... I think you're misunderstanding maybe their goal. The Mandalorian show is about both Din and Baby Yoda. So it was never going to end. I was frankly shocked that they did that in season two. And I was more like, all right, how long is this going to last? And it made perfect sense that it lasted exactly long as it did. Spoiler alert, Dave Filoni is, he's a brilliant writer. And I think he has a good visual eye, but he's not the most creative when it comes with totally out of the box. The show has already happened. We've already seen the end of The Mandalorian. It was called Star Wars Rebels. What's going to happen is that Grogu is going to be the magical baby that will unite the Jedi and the Mandalorians, and Din will die in a tragic yet tear-wrenching death. 
because that's what happened in all the other Dave Filoni shows. <laughs> so Yoda wasn't good. Baby Yoda, Grogu was not going anywhere. <laughs> he, the money thing, of course, yes, but the story that they're telling is a story about a father and a son journeying through the galaxy. As I'm going to hate to say this, but some people are going to be disappointed with this season, I have a feeling. Because while we're definitely going to see a lot of this War for Mandalore stuff, if you're not on clear that this story is going to be focused on those two at this point, all of the other stuff is happening around them. But that core relationship is the anchor of the show. It's Mandalorian and his friends and raising this child. The war for Mandalore and this other galactic spanning arc, testament to the fact where every episode Din halfway doesn't even know what's going on. He didn't know what a Jedi was. He barely seems to have anything because, you know, it's entirely focused on just his world. That's why I'm, it seems like I would, I would agree that it's fan servicey, but not in the way that you said. I would say it seems like right now they're trying to use the Mandalorian to basically be the Avengers almost of the, of Star Wars. Now you can have all the different characters from all the other shows come in and we already know that they're going to be leading to some type of crossover on Disney plus. It seems like they're trying to fan service Avengers it. But for what it's worth, I do think they're doing a job at keeping the core of the show intact. Yeah, and I think the no, trailer was I mean, cool just, too. It just feels like the entire the ending of season two is pointless now that now that he's back. And I'm like, why do that in the first place? You know, that that could have been the perfect end to the Mandalorian show. But that's just me. because what he needs to do because it was it was it wasn't pointless. It was to sh- because again, it was to set up the fact that Grogu needed to make a choice. They've had the fact that Grogu has is trapped between two worlds, Jedi and Mandalorian. So him going to him going to Luke was to have Grogu make that choice for himself. So now we have him fully on board. Grogu's obviously going to learn the Force. My theory is that Ahsoka will train him since she's no Jedi. But, um, you know, uh, for now, it's, uh, it was him making the choice. So that, But they needed to present that because while he was with Space Baby Daddy, um, you know, he wouldn't be able to actively make a choice because he's only got Space Dad. Yeah, that makes sense, I guess. But um, but yeah, moving on. What uh, next up? We have um, the, we had we got the first share for the Tales of the Jedi. Um, more with Mace Windu. I'm here for it. Uh, what do you guys think? Not for me personally. Um, yep. I think yes. Some of the the it's kind of like what if for. Yeah. I, mean, I know it's technically is canon stories. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's like that for me, where it's very side dish um it's not necessarily anything that i'm going to be actively seeking out to watch if there is a particular episode that gets a lot of hype um then i might check that one out but it's not going to be something i'm watching religiously just because it yeah it's not the same as star wars visions for me where star wars visions was presenting a unique interesting idea every single episode yeah that was more like what yeah yeah so i'm much more into a visions kind of show than this yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm I'm interested in learning more about Kandoku, I guess. Um, Ahsoka, mm-hmm. not so much because we got like we got her in Rebels, we got her in Clone Wars. We need another animated Ahsoka show, but uh, yeah, Jemmy, what do you think about it? Um, I would say, I mean, okay, personally, I don't know this. What none of this, I'm all of these reactions I've thought about for months because all of these trailers they released at um, Star Wars Celebration, so I got to go. I've seen all of them already, so this isn't new to me. But um, as of this show, I think it'll be interesting. This is basically, this is the Clone Wars part 
No, it's not even the Clone Wars Part 2, because the Bad Batch is Clone Wars Part 2. So I guess this would be Clone Wars 0.5? <laughs> so it's clear that they're just really getting their use out of these animation assets, because they might as well use them. But um, I am curious to how they're going to use it, because again, Star Wars doesn't exist in a vacuum. Given the fact that this is Dave Filoni's personal project, looking at how this is going to set up. As of right now, and I don't really want to spoil it because I'd highly encourage people to get invested in it, but the, um, the, the High Republic era spending a lot of time talking about Jedi who are falling away from the Order. When we look at this series, it's going to be focusing on two Jedi who both fell away from the Order, but for arguably different reasons. One, because of their own darkness inside them. The other, because of the light inside them. I would be curious to see what this is going to do to set up. We've already given the fact that there's a major character in the higher public who has a connection to Dooku that seems to be being explored recently. And also Ahsoka is getting her own show. So I think it'd be weird if there was nothing in here that set up that wasn't important for her own show. Also at the end of the day, I think there's less burden to watch it because as far as I'm aware, all the episodes are being released on the same day and they're shorts, right? So it'll be pretty like easy to burn through easy to burn through it's not it's definitely not my most hyped project um you know i'm watching it because i'm a star wars completionist and i like dave filoni storytelling it's more like i'm curious to see what this means like to be frank i want to see i would be much more excited for season two of this potentially i want to see some other jedi we haven't seen as much before because you know dooku and ahsoka have gotten a decent amount of content before maybe seeing something like uh we could look at Barris and Ventress, two characters who, you know, it's again, similar parallels to their story, but haven't really gotten nearly as much um, with their content. But, you know, was this? This release is like, was it November? I think so. Yeah. It was in November, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. somewhere around that time. Yeah, so I think it'll be a good palate cleanser. You know, we'll be coming out of the afterglow, hopefully, of Endor. There won't be, you know, bad batch won't be till the next year. So this will be something to tide people over. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Sam, do you have anything else to add to, add to this? No, no. But yeah, let's move on uh, to Ahsoka. So we got a still from the show because we saw Sabine Wren's character. And that's still, and um, it was reported by Deadline the day before that Iman Isfandi will be playing um, Ezra Bridger in the show. So uh, what are you guys' thoughts on that, I guess? It sucks for um, Masood, who was has been mm -hmm. sort of petitioning to try and get this role yeah. uh, since he came off Aladdin. Um, but he hasn't be fair, been in anything since he came off Aladdin, has he? I know, I know. And there's yeah. been a sort of big kick up about that, that he deserves to be getting more work, which I, I agree with. Um, but to be fair, the actor that they've got for Ezra does look like Ezra. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, that isn't going to be necessarily representative of his acting capabilities because I haven't yeah. seen this guy in anything. Um, but looks alone, it's it's promising, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I still think that they should have announced whoever's playing Thrawn, because um, I think that, yeah, that would have been the, the really big reveal. Yeah. Um, yeah, like until that happens, I think. I, I think. Feel... Oh, sorry, second. No, no, go go on. Um, I feel like people are forgetting something. Every Star Wars again, we have to remember. That this D23, I feel like, and it'll be probably, we'll probably get more into this when we talk about Marvel, but this D23, I think, was weird because I don't think they really had much to announce, especially when, why would you, why would they announce Thrawn 
at D tw- at um, D23, where they have to share the spotlight with Marvel, when Star Wars is doing something that they don't usually do. You know how they usually have um, Star Wars celebration every other year? It's going to be back in Europe next year. So I'm assuming they're going to have a big thing, and that would be the perfect place where all eyes are on Star Wars to announce to the world who your next Thrawn is, because that's when I'm assuming they're going to go heavy in on Ahsoka. So, like... I can the thing that I don't get is why they didn't announce Ezra because it literally came out two days after it came out two days after it broke. So that one was kind of weird. But the Thrawn thing, I feel like that would be something that you'd want to save for when all eyes are on you, not when you're sharing the stage with Pixar and Mickey's 100th anniversary and Marvel somehow not announcing anything important <laughs> yeah i mean star wars could have taken the show but uh yeah both both i think both show, uh, lucasfilm and marvel too, bro. But, uh, but yeah uh moving on willow was dope though hmm? willow yeah that's what that we're moving on to willow and <laughs> the willow trailer uh the sequel to the 1988 movie i haven't watched the 98 1988 movie so i have no clue what it is but i do know there's a dwarf sorcerer who they're trying to seek out in the movie. So, yeah. What do you guys think about it? I enjoyed the original. Um, I couldn't care less about this series, honestly. Um, and that's not really for any particular reason. It's just that it's not grabbing me. Um, Is it a series or a movie? It's a series. It's a series. series. Okay. Um, like, the, the original film has its charm, and I think it's, you know, very quaint and enjoyable now. Um, I wouldn't necessarily recommend anybody go and watch it, but it's one of those things where, like, if you have nothing else to watch, it's worth trying because Warwick Davis is always fun. Um, but, uh, yeah, that I'm just not interested in watching a series about Willow. I, I just don't think that the IP is distinct enough from other things in its kind of genre, and I don't think that the trailers have done a good job of making it seem unique. So it's, I'm going to give it a miss, unfortunately. Yeah, same here for me. It's just like, ooh, Amazon's doing a Lord of the Rings show. Let's do some. Let's bring back our old fantasy show to compete with them. And it's not. Uh, it's. I think it's going to be a big flop. But uh, but yeah, uh, Jemmy, anything else you want to add to this? You're muted. Let me unmute. Oops. I would say I'm excited for two reasons. One, this show I think looks good. I think the trailer looks good. You're right. It wasn't necessarily anything remarkable, but I'm generally a fan of high fantasy. So I think that that's a good idea. But the thing I'm more excited about, I think, is the implications of the show. Lucasfilm could be so much more than just Star Wars. And the fact mm-hmm. that they're starting once again to branch out, I think is encouraging because again, Indiana Jones, that's a proven IP Willow. That was a IP that they tried to do. They tried, you know, while you talk about saying Amazon, you know, saying doing that for what it's worth when Lucas, when Lucas originally made Willow, it was, he wanted to make his own version of Lord of the Rings. And this was before Lord of the Rings came out. Keep in mind, this was before, you know, Peter Jackson ever gave a stab at it. He wanted to write his own high fantasy and basically make a star. He wanted Willow to be the next Star Wars. Obviously, it didn't become that. But I do think that the IP has enough in it to be able to do it. And just diversify Lucasfilm a bit, you know. At this point, Marvel is actually actively experimenting with other genres, which I really like. I think that Lucasfilm should do the same. And I also think Pixar. I am longing for the day that Pixar, that Disney finally has the courage. Because I know for a fact that there's people at Pixar that want to. I met some people at Pixar that have talked about this. An adult 
animated Pixar movie fully. No kids jokes, because it's obvious they don't really want to make kids movies. In the same way, Lucasfilm seems to want to be expanding just beyond Star Wars, now getting into other franchises. And I think that could be a good idea. And, you know, Warwick Davis is cool, too. And, you know, that guy who was in um, Spider-Man and the Grand and the Budapest Hotel, I think he's in it, too. So I like him. Tony or whatever. Yeah, I Tony. Think, uh-huh. yeah. I personally think his version of Flash, Flash is my... His version of Flash is honestly my favorite. I think it gets way overrated. But that's For sure. I definitely agree with that, yeah. But, yeah, I think that was the biggest takeaway from the Willow trailer. Flash Thompson. <laughs> Flash um, Thompson. <laughs> um, but, yeah, guys, moving on. Um, so the last announcement at the Lucasfilm uh, panel was Indiana Jones 5. Uh, and it will be the last Indiana Jones movie. Who would have thought? I thought uh, I, I honestly thought Harrison Ford would have come back for another another one, um, at, like when he's eighty years old. But uh, but yeah, what do you guys think? No, th- this isn't going to be the last Indiana Jones film. What they're going to do is they've made this film as like a send off for Harrison Ford. And to put it bluntly, I think ultimately what Lucasfilm are going to do is they're going to wait for Harrison Ford to die, and, and then they can just recast with a young actor and create a brand new franchise because i think that yeah. it would be disrespectful to recast her uh, to recast indiana whilst harrison ford is still around because it is his character but mm. i think that once he is gone as, as morbid as that is it does give them the leeway to say that was that was harrison ford's era you know he had that character and now yeah. we're going to reinvent the character um in a new way and and do that um I don't really care much for Indiana Jones as an IP. I agree. But the one thing that I did, did really enjoy, and to be fair, I don't know how genuine it was, but um, Ford in the crying. panel, he, he was getting he was emotional crying. about it. I, Harrison Ford crying. This is the guy who constantly shits on the pro- properties he's in. That's just what I mean. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah it's well, like... No, because here's the thing. If you pay attention, he shits on Star Wars because he yeah. doesn't like Star Wars. He's always cared about Indiana Jones. He yeah. always, if you look at throughout history, he's always actually cared because he actually likes doing Indiana Jones. <laughs> He does not like doing Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see. I mean, like, I, I'm pretty sure it's just outwardly confirmed now that this film has, like, time travel in it. Um, oh, it does? Hmm. Yeah, yeah from, from what I've heard. So that kind of gives me a little bit of pause because that's reminding me more of Crystal Skull than I like. Um, obviously, Crystal Skull didn't have time travel, but in terms of just going zany with it, I don't think that that's where the strength of Indiana Jones is as an, as an IP. Um, but we'll see. You know, like Phoebe Waller Bridge is a great actress. Um, I think that they'll make a great pairing. And if it is going to be a send off for Harrison Ford, and you can imagine that Indiana will probably die or at least, you know, ride off into the sunset, I think yeah. it'll be a really good emotional way to, to wrap up his, his stint as the character. Yeah, Jeremy, you got you got anything else to add? I think. Oh, hold on one second. But yeah, uh, me personally, I don't have much attachment to the Indiana Jones fr- franchise. I only recently watched all the movies, and uh, yeah, I I thought Harrison Ford was cool in it. But I hope it's a good send off to his character. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I can't wait for this franchise to reinvent itself. Sorry, plane passing by. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, okay, I thought. I, for some reason, it might be Mandela effect, but I swear he announced that um, Crystal Skull was his last Indiana Jones movie. So I was like, uh, well, didn't she? Did, what happened to that, bro? Maybe maybe, maybe <laughs> that was the case, but then he saw how bad Crystal Skull was. But, no, 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 I can't leave on this. Note. <laughs> but, you know, my feeling is that this, um, I think, honestly, Sam, you did hit the nail on the head. Indiana Jones, as an IP, 
has the potential to be Disney's James Bond. Oh, yeah, for sure. Character that you can put in. You can have, you know, this adventure setting. They can have him loosely, you know, you can do your loose time periods, but, you know, have that science fiction element, you know, and you can get, what is it? Probably Chris Pratt is going to be whatever they get. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, I think I think I'm excited. My hope is that this will be a return to form. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone liked Crystal Skull. Um, I think it's unintentionally one of the best comedies of the century. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, um, I would say that I would say that I'm looking forward to what this can do. Um, I honestly don't think that it'll, I think people are misinterpreting. That's the only thing, one thing thematically, if we look at the Indiana Jones have done a decent job at tying whatever the story is to where Indy is in his journey, given the fact that they're going in on send off. My assumption is it's not a time travel plot. It's actually a fountain of youth plot. And that's why he's being de-aged. That to oh, me would being... make more sense. Oh, okay. Especially, it, it would make more sense for Indiana Jones for his last mission to search for the fountain of youth. Feels like that would be a, that would, that would in, imagine just Indiana Jones and the fountain of youth. That sounds like a perfect title. Yeah. Or something like that. But um, I do, I, I'm at the end of the day. I'm, I'm 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 curious. Um, it might be you know my Disney cynic side, but it's like you know after this, it's like all right, I'm waiting for you to mess it up after this. I do think this one will be good, but I don't. I'm not excited for the future of the Indiana Jones IP necessarily, but I am excited for this ending stage before they inevitably reboot it and burn it to the ground. <laughs> Pinocchio, baby. <laughs> but uh yeah that pretty much wraps up the lucasfilm panel so i'm gonna move on to the marvel studios panel i'm gonna skip the stuff we didn't actually get uh, a lot of information on so iron hard black panther because we, we didn't get we didn't get much information over there so it is up straight in and man and the wasp quantum mania and um, the the biggest takeaway from this but is it's directly linked to the kang dynasty and that explains why they have the same writer uh but uh yeah uh, we sort of already discussed that mm-hmm. but uh Let's start off with a Werewolf by Mid- by Night uh, trailer. What did you guys think? I adore it. Um, there are people that say that, you know, them going um, Don Chaney sort of practical effects make it look goofy and stupid, and they're not they're not wrong, but also it's supposed to look. That it's way. just it's yeah. just perfect, and I don't doubt for a second that whenever Werewolf by Night does come back, which he inevitably will as a character, whether it's Midnight Suns or in Blade or, or you know, whatever, I'm sure that there will be slight stylistic changes because they're always oh, yeah, for sure between for sure. films or installments or TV series. There's always different stylistic changes to a character so they can sell new toys and merchandise. And So even if you aren't a massive fan of this practical look, which I am just because I think that Again, I think Jemmy said it earlier on in the show, but the fact that they are branching out in terms of genre and doing homage to various different um, franchises or IP or whatever, this being like a classic Hammer horror film, um, is it's perfect. It's exactly what I was hoping it was going to be. Um, I I love that Elsa Bloodstone is in it. Man Thing is there. Like, what the hell? I I I could not be more in, honestly. Jemmy, what about you? So, basically, because I'm a chameleon and I can't pick a genre that's actually my favorite, every year I go through a favorite genre. So currently, my favorite genre is horror. And um, this this hit every note for me. 
there's only one thing I'm worried about this. They showed Elsa Bloodstone. They showed werewolf lore. They showed Man-Thing. I don't know how they're going to pull all this off in 40 minutes. Given the fact that, honestly, the main weakness of Disney Plus projects has been their run times and pacing. The only thing I'm nervous about is if they'll actually be able to put this off. But everything from it seems that they will be able to. It's just a question of, is the time? I think the story will be great. And I'm honestly, I'm looking forward to what they're going to do. Um, as for the effects, you know, anyone, anyone who's complaining about this, I honestly know is honestly complaining bad faith. Because you can't on one hand, side of your mouth say that Marvel needs to change up their style and they need to invest in different directors and they need to get... Um, they need to get new visual styles and literally complain when they give you not just what you want, but they hand it to you on a silver bullet platter. <laughs> so like, what, what are we doing here? Um, also yep. the fact that we have the goat, the man, the myth, the legend, Michael Giacchino. So yes. let's not even, so what? <laughs> okay. We've got yeah. him. Cause again, a lot of people don't know, but he went to school for directing. He just happened to become a, a composer, composer because he was yes. good at it, which is such a boss move that I can't even imagine. But so I'm really this this is gonna this is honestly um this if this if they pull this off, this could honestly save phase four for me completely Probably. if they get yeah. this right. Because I don't I have faith I have faith in Wakanda forever and what they're doing with that, so I'm not worried with that. But this project, I think if they can pull it off and execute it properly, then this will push phase four over the edge into what I think it needed to actually be a successful phase versus an okay phase. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm in the same boat as all of you. This was probably my favorite favorite announcement at D23. You know, the whole 90s camp horror vibes, you know, Friday the 13th, uh, um, Nightmare on Elm Street vibes. It had absolutely loved it. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to watch it. But uh, one question I have for you guys is this. Um, and the, when the trailer started, they had the Marvel special presentation logo. If this is a success, do you think that's going to become a recurring thing, you know, for on, on characters that are not so known from the Marvel universe to get their own 40 minute specials? What do you guys think? Um, yes, I, I would anticipate that that is the plan already. Mm -hmm. um to have a a special presentation whether they keep calling it special presentation I, I i'm not quite sure um but i wouldn't i would anticipate that obviously not that we're guaranteed to get it but i could see a holiday special of some kind happening most years if not every year um on disney plus and i would yeah. anticipate that maybe not always on halloween but somewhere in the year there is slotted a specific special presentation-esque one-off yeah. i can see like a, some once area mm -hmm. once they get the um, uh, x-men or the deadpool rights they can have like a deadpool valentine special that's happening for sure mm -hmm. I, I can picture that and uh, yeah maybe once you know because like there's so many mutants in the backlog maybe an under well, not so well-known mutant th give them a special but yeah i would love to see this you know like have a complete different art style direction to what we're normally used to and uh, put an unknown character in there. And if it's popular enough, maybe wrap them into the MCU or whatnot. But uh, Jemmy, what about you? I don't think that it's just going to be limited for these characters. I think it's just a branding thing. I think that'll just be what they call any movie or whatever that's on Disney+. Plus. I don't know if you guys remember, but I said that my hypothesis is that um, Young Avengers is going yeah. to be a Disney+, Plus project. 
My assumption mm -hmm. is this special pro this special presentation. That's what they're going to call the not quite movie, not quite Disney Plus show. Also, we yeah. can't forget there's literally a holiday special, a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday yeah. special coming out in a couple months. That's also going to be called a special presentation. I'm calling it now because why would they? They this is their branding thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so. Yeah. As for what they'll use it for, I do agree that I think that is what they'll... I'm hoping that's what they use it for, more kind of quirky, out-there things. But at the same time, it'll be for, I think, stuff that they recognize won't necessarily be a big enough IP to go to the theaters for whatever reason, but at the same time... Or big enough story, I should say, to go to the theaters. But at the same time, could be something that they still want to do highlight attention to. Like, we right. have what they're called up. Planet Hulk or World War Hulk coming up. Mm -hmm. I could also easily see this special being a yep. that being a that being a move special presentation type project as well. But you know, yeah. it's all it's all. I think it's all about um, you know how they present it. To be frank, the Marvel the Marvel fanfare is almost as iconic, if not equally, as the Star Wars fanfare. So mm -hmm. I would wonder why they. I would hope they still include it because, like, I can imagine not seeing a Marvel thing here in the. The thing, yeah. you hear the thing. Because <laughs> it was kind of, it was, it was like Netflix. You know, Netflix has a little, it's like, eh. <laughs> eh. I've seen yeah. better. I've seen better. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but anything else you guys want to add before we move on? No. So mm -mm. we're moving on to the Secret Invasion trailer. I also really enjoyed this trailer. It gave me, you know, those um, thriller espionage vibes. Uh, very Venture Soldier-esque. Um, and uh, yeah, Digging Fury's new look with the beard. I mean, uh, you know, you could see Amelia Clark in the trailer. Reggie John Page was there. And uh, uh, the guy who plays Talos, I can't get, I can't remember his name. But, uh, but yeah, what did you guys think? <laughs> <laughs> What's that face you're making? What is that face you're making? It's, it's turmoil. <laughs> it's turmoil personified. I everything I'm seeing, I'm liking. But I think that Secret Invasion, just in terms of concept alone, I, I with every Disney Plus show, we, I mean, even Jemmy brought it up not long ago about time. Like, mm -hmm. how much can you actually get into the minutiae of the story and the uh, the the twists and turns of, of Secret Invasion? I'm, I would be far more relaxed about Secret Invasion being a series that doesn't seem to explicitly tie into the Marvels because the Marvels isn't dealing with... Skrull invasion or anything like that. So mm -hmm. I'm sure I'm sure there will be connective tissue. Of course, there will be. But in terms of actual main plots, it yeah. kind of seems like Secret Invasion is going to be handled entirely within the series. And I'd only be comfortable with that if it was like Daredevil: Born Again, where it had an extended amount of episodes. Right. So I feel like it it needs that to really give it the breadth. Um, to, to let an espionage type story or on the scale that Secret Invasion historically has been, you know, they, they yeah. can creatively take different, make different choices. But yeah, I, I like what I'm seeing. I like the Winter Soldier aesthetic, but it's just, mm -hmm. I'm hesitant. I'm hesitant. Jamie? I think personally that Marvel fans are going to have to get their heads wrapped around something very quickly for this phase. If it shares a name with a comic storyline, it will not be like that comic storyline. Because every single time we've had this conversation, I feel like with every project, 
Yeah. I am not. I'm not worried because I don't expect it. I know it will be hundred percent nothing like the Secret Invasion in the comics. It will Civil be because War. Civil War and Age of Ultron were the perfect examples. Of yes, yeah. yes, there were nothing like it. Literally, um, Age of Ultron as an event. Wolverine was the main character, and he was sent on an assignment to kill Hank Pym in the past. That's what Age of Ultron was about. Um, and, um, you know, even Infinity War and Endgame were very loosely inspired. The only thing they took was Mad Dude tries to take stones, everyone teams up to stop him, and they fail halfway yeah. through. Everything else was essentially original story. To the part about it being isolated, though, I do think that this will be big, though, that it'll be subtly big, because we have to look at what arc they've said. They've already confirmed, I believe they said verbatim, that um, Armor Wars is going to be directly experienced the fallout. Mm -hmm. Sorry if this feels like a might be a spoiler, but it seems kind of obvious. Rhodey's going to be a scroll. The only question is how mm -hmm. long he's been a scroll. I think if they had the real guts, they would make it so that way he's actually been a scroll since Iron Man 3, which I think would really be good. I don't think they're going to have the guts to do that. But, um, <clears throat> but either way, it's more about what the impact is. What do we know is on the horizon? We know for a fact that Marvel is building the fact that, the, that superheroes are spiking dramatically. And mm -hmm. the populace isn't quite sure how to feel about them yet. She-Hulk is showing that there are a decent amount of people who like them, but Miss Marvel shows that there's a decent amount of people who are a little bit more hesitant or outright hostile. In order right. to get to the point where you have a sentinel program, you need a mass event that is going to destabilize trust in superheroes. So here's my hypothesis for how the street level of phase four is going to go. Sorry, phase five. Sorry. Oh, wait, phase six. I don't even know. Whatever. Four, five, six. <laughs> Whatever yeah. will be in by that yeah. time. Phase five. Okay. On the TV side, we'll have Daredevil and the Defenders running around. Mayor Fisk will probably try to stop them. People will be like, oh, superheroes bad. On the global side, the secret invasion, I think, will be used for Marvel to basically destabilize some major characters. I believe, based on the, the um, present... Oh, shit. Shit. Oh, no, 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 no. Feige yeah, came um, in and he was like, no, we yeah. have to shut this down. He was down. like, yep, he, he, he's got it right, everybody. The sniper's <laughs> out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think what Jemmy was trying to say was, um, again, the Defenders and Daredevil will be sort of within New York or operating their low-level superhero project. And I think Secret Invasion, Armor Wars, Captain America, New World Order, and Thunderbolts will all be directly tied together. And uh, I think at like at the end of Secret Invasion, I can envision something like, oh, um, the Shield is being taken over some bad guy, maybe Quintessa Valentina. She's taking over a Shield, and uh, oh, she's bringing a new Avengers team, and that's the Thunderbolts. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah, the Sokovia Accords could come into play in this because we we know they're still a thing. Uh, those still haven't been visited visited back to, but uh, but yeah, I think that's what Jamie was trying to say. Yeah, it, but, it's uh, kind of like the fact that rather than just having one cohesive Avengers team being yeah. the superheroes, you now are going to have young Avengers, you're going to have Thunderbolts, you're going to have maybe a West Coast Avengers team, yeah. even, even if Avengers. it's not named that. Avengers. 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 Um, so I think, yeah, that's where the destabilization comes from, that people just, there are so many, it, kind of quite topical in terms of social mm -hmm. commentary of like, there are people that are following, you know, wholeheartedly different people. Yeah. And that creates clashing, and mm -hmm. then Sentinels come. X Men, yeah. they're coming. X Men, yeah, hopefully soon, please. Um, but yeah, it's, it's sort of it's like Marvel's adaptation of Dark Rain. I can see, like, uh, yeah, the MCU's absolutely. adaptation of Dark Rain. 
but uh, yeah, uh, let's move on to the next one. And that was uh, Matt Shackman is directing Fantastic Four. We already knew this a couple of weeks ago, so um, I don't think we, I think we need to skip over that. But mm-hmm. uh, Captain America: New World Order, the leader is the main villain, played by Tim yes. Blake Nelson. After his initial appearance in 2008's The Incredible Hulk, Carl Lumbly is, was confirmed to be reprising his role as Isaiah Bradley. I think, um, what is his grandson's name? Elijah Bradley will also be returning. Yeah. And then they'll set up Patriot or whatnot. Uh, alongside Daniel Ramirez, uh, who is returning as Joaquin Torres. Uh, and yes. he will be taking up that um, Falcon mantle, I guess, uh, from the same series. And Shira Huss will be playing Sabra, an Israeli superhero. Um, so, Sam, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I think that this is... <sighs> no, I, th- I still think that Thunderbolts is my most anticipated. Um, that's probably a spicy take for you. <laughs> I could see in your face. Um, yeah. But just below that is this. Um, and I've, I, it was going to be really highly anticipated for me anyway, just because I loved the journey that Sam took in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to see him shine in his own film. He deserves it. And to bring in, you know, the leader, does that now mean we're going to get like the intelligentsia? Um, I've heard speculation that that means that we are going to get Red Hulk in this film as well. Hopefully. Um, and then because because New World Order leads directly into Thunderbolts. Thunderbolts yep. So that then means that Red Hulk could coincidentally then turn up in Thunderbolts because they need a tank mm-hmm. on that team, whether it's Abomination or Red Hulk, maybe a bit of both. Why not? Go for it. Ever, I think, um, but here's my theory. I think Everett Ross's character will become Red Hulk because he's obviously, uh, I think, uh, Thunderbolt Ross's nephew or something. No, something they, they aren't related. They, they just have the same surname. There's a lot of confusion about that. But really? They, are, they just both happen to be named Ross. Oh, okay. I, I always but, thought they were like related or something. Yeah, I, could, I, I yeah. still think that that you aren't t- probably too far off. Mm-hmm. I think that yeah, he does fit that role kind of well. And as much as he's been a good guy, you know, in Black Panther, and he's also yeah. coming back in Wakanda Forever and Secret Invasion from the trailer. Um, I, I do think that there could be something where, you know, we a lot of people have been arguing. Oh, we haven't got a Hulk that's just rage you know that there is a good guy on underneath but it's just rage mm-hmm. why not have it be everett ross where right. it's this guy mm-hmm. that was working for the government still is working for the government but is ultimately trying to do good and by hook or by crook whether it's by the leader and the intelligentsia or whether it's something coming off of she hulk or, or secret invasion even he then gets injected infected whatever and then becomes red hulk and he is not necessarily a villain as Red Hulk, but he's just unpredictable as yeah. this rampaging yeah. you know, beast. None of the Thunderbolts are villains, though. Like from the current lineup, none of them are bad guys except for like Taskmaster and Ghost. You know, yeah. none of them were have been in an evil role. And even um, then, like at, at the end of both Black Widow and um, yeah. and Ant-Man and the Wasp, they got like redeemed. So it's exactly. Like, not that I have a problem with that because I think mm-hmm. that anti-heroes, as opposed to straight out villains, can still work for Thunderbolts. Yeah, um, but it would be nice having a proper loose cannon on the team. So Red Hulk mm-hmm. would fit that role very well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can definitely see that working. There have been like some rumors going around that um, World War Hulk might be set up in um, yeah. uh, the Captain America New World Order because the leaders involvement could have something to do with that. Mm-hmm. And I think She-Hulk is also sort of sort of hinting it um, in, in, in its recent episode. But uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I guess we should move on to the the big announcement we could say um the full cast of marvel studios thunderbolts film was shown the group will include contessa valentina allegra de fontaine i butchered that um red <laughs> guardian 
Um, uh, David Harbour returning as Red Guardian. Hannah John Kamen as Ghost. Wyatt Russell as US Agent. Uh, Olga Karolinko. I butcher that as one, one as well. Taskmaster. <laughs> um, Yelena Belova, Black Widow, Florence Pugh. And the Winter Soldier, Sebastian Stan. Uh, Sam, I'm going to let you go first. Um, yeah. Since you, see, uh, since you have a more positive outlook on this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I think pretty much everybody on this team I was anticipating to be there and they are um I think the one wild card is Red Guardian like I, I was hoping that he would come back I just wasn't anticipating him to be on a team let alone Thunderbolts but I guess it makes sense like it, it will be nice to see the father-daughter dynamic between Yelena and um and him again uh especially now that Yelena is going to be leading you know like that she's going to be telling Red Guardian what to do. I think that sets up a lot of good comedy moments. Um, I agree with, I'm going to preempt one of your points, man. You're going to tell me that this team is lackluster, that it's lacking some real spiciness. It needs some really awesome characters. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I think, you know, there's been a lot of um, vitriol from people saying there's like five super soldiers on this team, essentially, um, nobody with really any superpowers outside of Ghost. Um, but I, even if this was just the team, I think I would be happy enough. But I'm resting well in the knowledge that not only are there some glaring omissions, which should be here, aka Zemo and Abomination or, or Red Hulk, but really Abomination is, is typically um, expected, and that we are we've seen both Zemo and Abomination very recently in Falcon and Winter Soldier and, and now She-Hulk with Abomination. Um, Feige just outright said that uh, the Thunderbolts was going to have people on the roster that we haven't met yet. And mm -hmm. all of these characters are people that we've met. We have met, yeah. So this that indicates to me that this isn't the full lineup. And it makes sense to do that because why blow your entire load of announcing the entire roster and don't forget if this is being set up to be marvel's suicide squad like we need some fodder to, to die yeah. right so even if it isn't you know zemo and, and abomination i would anticipate to at least make an appearance in this film even if they're not outright on the team they'll be in the film i have no doubt in some capacity um but yeah like get some additional characters that maybe you know, we, I think we talked about it a while back somewhere, but getting like someone like Songbird um, mm -hmm. or or I don't I don't know, Absorbing Man or, you know, some yeah. really weird B slash C tier villain slash antiheroes, get them on, let them have a, a moment in the spotlight and then get killed off in a funny way. Yeah. Um, you know, I I understand where a lot of people are being a bit annoyed that this is seemingly the lineup, but I think that they want to be like, okay, these are, you know, the characters that you know and love from these relatively recent properties, and mm -hmm. they are going to be headlining the film. And then they can have another pop, another reveal later down the line, whether it's a, a Comic-Con or a D23 next year, mm -hmm. where they can be, ah, you thought that was it, did you? Well, here's the next layer behind that team in in that image that they showed, right. um, and have some proper nice reveals of of characters that think, we might have yeah. met by that point. Mm -hmm. I think that's my problem with it. I think this is shaping out to be too much like Suicide Squad. I don't want this to be another comedy. Oh, that character died in a funny way. Oh, that happened. This should be 
like uh, have you read the Dark Avengers comics? It sh- this yeah. should be that. This should be the Dark Range storyline. This should be dark. This should it should be a serious event. It shouldn't have funny death scenes in it. All right. Um, and my, all the characters in this team, I like. I love uh, David Harbour's Red Guardian. I love Yelena Belova, Sebastian Stan, uh, and um, who else was in it? Um, a U.S. agent. Uh, while while mm-hmm. Russell's U.S. agent. But having five of the six people on the team are super soldiers. That they all have the same skill set, same power set. Why? Why is Red Guardian on this team where he could easily have him have another project with him, like the Winter Guard? Uh, you know, make make a Winter Guard team with Ursa Major, Red Guardian, Crimson Dynamo. Have him there. Why in the Thunderbolts? That doesn't really make sense to me. You know, even if they just replaced Red Guardian with like Songbird or someone with superpowers, I would have been a little bit happier maybe with the team. And uh, yeah, I just think the team lacks like diverse power skill sets or power sets. It just feels the same. And uh, I think it's shaping out too a little too much to be like the Suicide Squad. You know, this is the main lineup. There'll be another lineup of characters behind them who are all going to die, and these characters will play like a major part in something. But uh, but yeah, uh, I think it's my main problem is it's shaping out too much to be like Suicide Squad. I I get that. Yeah, I want this to be Avengers, but anti-heroes. Government yeah. run it Avengers, like a covert ops uh, Avengers team. But uh, I, I, but yeah. I don't I don't think that it I don't think it will be far off of that. I think mm-hmm. that it will be a mix of Avengers and Suicide Squad. Um but I think I think the you I mean you raise a good point of why not have Winter Guard or somebody um, yeah. but I think it's just the fact that they have so much on their plate currently and they have so many characters that are relatively new that have been introduced mm-hmm. but have become fan favorites like Yelena, like Red Guardian, um, US Agent to an extent. Taskmaster didn't get the best reception, but I think that everybody yeah. were like, if if it's done properly, I'd like to see that character use, you know, the the mimicry tech because it wasn't yeah. used that to, to that Black it Black. wasn't used that much in Black Widow. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that would be cool to see more of. I think that they're using and whether you like it or not, like I don't love the idea, but I think that they are kind of overriding the idea of Thunderbolts to have the these characters come back in a way where they aren't oversaturating in terms of teams and separate groups, um, but bringing them together in something that kind of makes sense why they would work together. Um, just a bit of a hodgepodge, like it's not perfect by any means, but I'm still really looking forward to it. And also just to, to preface, because I think that, I should clarify one of the reasons that it is my most anticipated is because of the director. Like I've said this before, but Jake Schreier, who's directing Thunderbolts directed my favorite film of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, Robot and Frank, it's a cute little indie film, but it's, it's really wonderful. Um, and whilst I don't expect Thunderbolts to at all be like that film, I just think that he's a really good get for Marvel. I think that he's yeah. an underrated talent. Um, and to bring in a fresh, fresh voice to the directing scene, um, I would hope that he gets more work after this. Uh, mm-hmm. Whether it's a Thunderbolt sequel or, or not, I think that he's a good choice. Yeah. Oh, Jemmy's back at the perfect time. And Jemmy, we were just talking about the Thunderbolts lineup. What do you think? Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. My phone died. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was cool. <laughs> I mean... Um, I think a couple people were a bit surprised by the fact that it seems to lean pretty super soldier. I'm not because I always assumed that was going to be, um, you know, more of a black ops type team for the MCU. My curiosity though, is just, I do feel like there are people missing, but you know, just more of a question of who it is. 
Um, I've heard some rumblings about the hood possibly being, you know, a magical connection. Obviously, Zemo would be an easy choice or abomination. But I do think there are some other characters that could be Dark Horse. Um, that could be Dark Horse candidates. Jai Ling, for instance. I do think it could be interesting, not necessarily her as the team, but maybe a possible plot, the Ten Rings going after um, the Thunderbolts or vice versa. Um, I think that could possibly be interesting since we know that she's engaged in like the criminal element. Um, what's her face? Uh, Sharon. Sharon is still very much um, an outlier on this. So whether she's going to be involved in New World Order or Thunderbolts, she was talking to somebody on the phone. Yeah. So we have to see what that's applying. So I definitely do think there's going to be some other characters. I think that, frankly, I think some people are being a bit too pessimistic about it. The banter and imagine the character interaction between David Harbour, Sebastian Stan, and Florence Pugh in that movie. They're going to be insane. We are going to get some great character moments from them. Also, oh, yes. um, also, Elaine, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> there, go- there is Feige again. He's, he's like, shut it down. Gotta stop yep. him. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think what Jemmy was trying to say is Aman's right. Uh, you should be pessimistic about this movie. Um, no, no, that's, that's not the takeaway. Be, there that's should be the no banter. <laughs> How do I mute Aman? How do I share <laughs> uh, Yeah, but um, I get where you guys are coming from, but that's just not what I want from the Thunderbolt. Because even in the yeah, comics, they're not the Suicide Squad. They're not yeah. that team. They're not that team where you just go, oh, half of them can die. We're, con- we're the government putting chips in their head and control Every single action they do, but no, they're just Avengers, but anti-heroes. Um, mm. But yeah, Sam, um, I, that was the big announcement of D23. Overall, in your opinion, did you think D23 was a was a hit, a miss, or a wasted opportunity? I mean, obviously, it wasn't as big a, a pop as Comic Con was, but then I wasn't anticipating it to be. Like, obviously, we speculated that mm. they did a lot of Phase Five at Comic Con, and they were like, "Oh my God, is the rest of Phase Six going to be at D23?" But I think the closer we got to D23 it became obvious that wasn't going to be the case. Mm. And there was like, again, there was insane speculation about Henry Cavill and John Boyega. Oh, yeah. It's like, whilst I don't doubt that those people have had conversations with Marvel and very well could mm-hmm. be cast in something. Um, like I've, I've heard some people speculate post D23 that maybe Cavill was talking to them about doom. Like whilst I don't love that, like I could see them going for him as that type of character, honestly. Um, but yeah, like I, I got what I wanted out of this. I don't think it was a flop. I don't think it was mind blowing. I think it was good. Like mm-hmm. we got Werewolf by Night, which I think we all agreed was excellent. Uh, we got a Secret Invasion trailer, which also looked very promising, and we got little tidbits of things that we already knew about. Um, right. You know, getting Charlie Cox and D'Onofrio on stage together—that was awesome. As much as we didn't learn anything about the show, like just to have them on stage—that's a really nice moment. Um, yeah, and obviously we, there was exclusive footage of uh, the Marvel shown. Ant Man, uh, Wakanda Forever, yeah, yeah, season two of Loki as well. Yeah, um, like Kihi Ki Ironheart as well. Kihi um, Huan being uh, brought on for Loki season two from every, mm-hmm. everything ever all at once. Short round from Indiana Jones. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Um, so yeah, like there were some really nice announcements. It wasn't anything like crazy, crazy big, but I don't think that they needed to because how much can you one-up yourself? I think that having Comic-Con as this big blowout, which everybody expected it to be, and it was, and it exceeded expectations, mm-hmm. having D23 is like this more tranquil thing where it's still there's still some nice trickling information, but if it was hype, hype, hype all the time from Marvel, yeah. it would feel less special. 
Like if even if you think that this was a disappointment, that means that when they next have their next bigger blowout, it's gonna be just as, if not even more impressive, you know? So it's mm-hmm. like yeah. even if it's a lull for you, you've got a high waiting for you relatively mm-hmm. soon. Yeah, I just I didn't think it was a bad event, but my main problem with it was uh, the lack of content we got. It was just announcements. We didn't get any trailers. They could have easily shown the trailers they showed exclusively at San Diego Comic Con, released those to the public. Because as I was reacting live on Twitter, it was just like, oh, they announced this, but they're showing exclusive footage. I had to wait three more minutes for that to finish, and then the next announcement came. Oh, but again, they're showing exclusive footage again because we we basically only got two trailers: Werewolf by Night and Secret Invasion. Yeah. Um, they could they could have just given us a quick sneak peek at uh, Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania, or even show the Wakanda Forever trailer because that movie is right around the corner. So that was my biggest complaint with the event. But overall, I thought the announcement weren't disappointing. Um, it's just that I was not happy with the choices they made in that announcement. But it was an overall a hype announcement. Oh, they're announcing the th- cast of Thunderbolts. That's that's a hype announcement. Yeah. Uh, and I think also the Fantastic Four stuff because everyone was expecting something, at least a hint about who, who the Fantastic Four were going to be. Uh, so yeah, I think that was why mo- a lot of people were disappointed. Uh, but yeah, Sam, anything else you have before we wrap up? No, that's it for me. All right, guys, thank you all for watching. Make sure to subscribe to the channel for more for daily content. Uh, we also have a new anime special that will be airing every month. Um, if we're going to have a lot more spoiler casts, you know, when She-Hulk wraps up, House of the Dragon and all of that, maybe even Werewolf by Night. You never know. But uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, again, Sam, where can I find you? People can find me on Twitter at Sam Heaney. That's H-E-A-N-E-Y. What about you, man? You can find me on Twitter at Amon underscore M05. Thank you all for watching, and we'll see you guys again very, very soon. Peace. Peace.